Welcome to the latest episode of the Two Brothers, One Dad, Dead podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the criminal group you've never heard of, but that you wished you knew about called the Thieves Guild. So, hey, Jay Bear, how you doing? Hey, Rocky, good. How about you? Good. What's the Thieves Guild? <laughs> the Thieves Guild was a club. Um, it was a stealing and shoplifting club with me, you, and a mutual friend of ours, Don, is the exclusive yeah. membership, right? That's right. I don't think anybody else knew that Thieves, Gu- Thieves Guild existed. Well, no, they will after listening today, though, right? They will, yeah. <laughs> I hope we don't get a knock on our door from the FBI. I know, I know. I need to um, talk to my attorney. Exactly. Um, so would it be fair to say, though, that there wouldn't have been a Thieves Guild without Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, for sure. So kind of the way it started was we were all pretty into D&D, which is part of the reason I love that show Stranger Things, because um, like I thought it did a really good job of like what it was like to grow up kind of a free range kid in the Midwest back in the back in the 80s. Um, So, yeah, we played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. And then I don't. And I think we were kind of started experimenting with shoplifting around the same time, but we would draw all these maps for Dungeons and Dragons, like just, you know, imaginary dungeons and stuff. And then it occurred to me, like, as we kind of got more and more into shoplifting, it occurred to me that it would be worth it to draw out maps of the stores where we stole stuff and to like actually like do reconnaissance and show up at the stores and figure out where the blind spots were, like where their mirrors were, because there were no, there were no like little cameras back then, at least where we were. It was all just those big rounded mirrors in the corners. So we would kind of figure out where the blind spots were and, um, act accordingly. Does that sound right to you? Act accordingly. Yeah. So (laughs) sounds exactly how I remember it. How did we get into shoplifting? How did you get into shoplifting? I got into it through you. Um, I don't remember, like, I don't know about you, but I don't remember the exact first time that I shoplifted. I just remember sort of through osmosis that you and me decided it would be this fun activity and it just kind of took off. And, um, you know, I remember getting that adrenaline rush and we just kind of, like I said, took it and ran. And then you, you know, and I already thought really highly of you, but you, this just added to my admiration of you, some kind of evil genius, like all the tricks and things that we're going to talk about on this episode that you came up with, all our little schemes and, you know, devices, I guess you want to call them. Yeah. So I know that I had a little shoplifting phase in the fifth grade, but then there was this thing that happened, like there's this kid named Dennis and we would steal candy bars here and there. And then there's this one store that I didn't usually go to where he was supposed to like go ask them a question. Cause that was, a, that was another thing is sometimes we did it 
by ourselves. Sometimes we did it in teams where one person went up to the counter and started asking dumb questions like, hey, how much is this lollipop? I'm like, oh, five cents. How much is this candy bar? 25 cents. Well, how about this big one? Is it 20? You know, like just kind of mm-hmm. basically purposefully being like a dumb kid. And I think, didn't we even do things like pay for things with pennies and stuff like that just to kind of like get the attention away from the other person? That sounds right. Yeah. Any yeah. little diversion we could think of kind of. Any any little diversion. And, and we would walk in separately. And while one dumb kid was like kind of distracting the the clerk, the other one would be like grabbing candy bars. I mean, basically our main, our main take was candy bars, occasionally magazines. I know we stole cigarettes or chew a few times. Um, I think we even stole condoms two or three times. Like box <laughs> we did. Of I definitely remember that. Um, so, so, it, so I'd had a little thing, but then, you know, Dennis and I walked into the store. He tried to distract the clerk. It didn't work. So I basically like, you know, waved off the mission. I was like, no. And I just walked out of there. And then I was waiting for him down the block and I look behind me and he's running and this guy is chasing him from the store. And then I'm just standing there and Dennis got to me and then kind of stopped. And the guy came up and he's like, do you two know each other? Because, you know, we would always walk in as if we didn't know each other. And I was like, uh, you know, then, you know, basically figured out. Yes. So he took us into the store and then he's like, okay, I called the Lakewood police. They're coming to get you guys. And we were just like sitting across from the counter. And then we both started like kind of crying. And, and then, you know, like, and I'm pretty sure now as an adult, they didn't call the police and they were just like putting us on and trying to like, you know, scare, s- scare us because we started crying. And then I was like, you know, cause what the other one guy was like, oh yeah, how much longer till the cops are here? And it's like, oh, only five more minutes. And I was like, no. And I, I started crying and I, I got it into my head. So I promised the guy, I was like, I'll go to church. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll go to church every Sunday the rest of my life. (laughs) And then finally, after letting us like blubber and promise and just, you know, offer to repent, basically one guy to the other is like, well, how about we just tell them they're never allowed in this store again? The other guy's like, no, no, I want the cops to take care of them. And basically doing good cop, bad cop thing to us. And then finally, the other guy, quote unquote, like talked his partner into like just letting us go as long as we promised to never come back. So, so anyways, that was a real shock and a real scare. And then, so I didn't steal again until really like middle or end of sixth grade. And sixth grade is when I started getting into Dungeons and Dragons. And then I, then actually one day we were in like a, uh, Lawson's or a Seven Eleven. What was the one that was right by the elementary school? Do you remember the one where we would sometimes climb up on the roof? I think the... it was Lawson's. We were I in a think. Lawson's. I was about to buy a candy bar with my friends because you know they would get swamped. Like at the end, you know, after school, all the like kids would stop in because you know this was these were the days when like kids walked to school by themselves so right you know if you had 25 cents and i think candy bars were 25 cents then in like 84 85 25 yep yeah so it wasn't that hard for a kid to buy their own candy bar and something happened where i picked up a can i picked up no it was a thing of milk duds i picked up a thing of milk but duds i was gonna buy it my friends called me outside i, I walked outside 
I'm wait, I'm just talking to them and I'm waiting for them. Then I realized I had some milk duds in my hand. I was like, and it was just like this shot of adrenaline. I was like, oh yeah, sweet, sweet shoplifting. It's like kind of, I kind of like relapsed unintentionally on shoplifting, but then it was like, oh yeah, so good. So, and that, then I think we started making it like a really serious habit in like the sixth and seventh grades. I, I know seventh grade was the grade I was just like out of control. Gone wild, yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like I was a decent kid in fifth grade with, you know, flirted with trouble. Sixth grade, I was actually a pretty, pretty, pretty decent kid, pretty okay kid, except towards the end. And I think it was like, because I was on the verge of... 13, no, so I think I turned 13 in the seventh grade. And yeah, like 12 to 13, like late 12 to early 13s, I was just a hellion for sure. So um, Thieves Guild, three people. What are some of the things that at the time kind of impressed you about the Thieves Guild? A few things. Um, Mainly the devices that you created. So... One of my favorites was these hollowed out books where you would get like a normal book mm-hmm. and I don't know what kind of knife you used, if it was like a little um, carpenter's knife or what, but you would literally hollow out the pages so it would be as if you were holding a book, but you would open it and kind of sneak candy bars or whatever into it. Yeah. And close it, and it would be like you're just like carrying a book. Like I thought that was next level. Yeah, no, that was pretty awesome because, especially when you're walking in, like, and we just use old old textbooks or mm-hmm. old whatever books. Um, use a little, I think, like some kind of little exacto knife to cut out the middle, like the main bulk of the pages, but leave the edges there. And I feel like as we got more sophisticated, we would even glue the um the pages together so we weren't worried about it like i i don't know maybe maybe i'm making up that part but just that there was like an easy open so you would just mm-hmm. like open it drop some candy bars in there close it and the beauty of it was is you were really like stealing in plain sight like you would go by and that was another big thing of ours i think part of the reason we were pretty successful is we wouldn't just walk into a store walk out without buying anything we would almost always buy something even if it was super small so that we had a legit reason to be in the store. Right, right. Yeah. And um, do you want to talk a little bit about the the jacket that you created also? Because that, that was even better, I thought, than the hollowed out book thing. Yeah. So you have to understand that I was reading a lot of... Did you read any of the stainless steel rat science fiction books? Not until a couple years later. And then I only read one of them, but I knew, I remember at the time that you were way into that. Yeah. So there were these books, the stainless steel rat series, and it was about this like kind of criminal mastermind. So between like that and, you know, but all his crimes were victimless, which like, trust me, I don't think stealing from stores is good, but it's not the same as like robbing people's houses or whatever. Right. Um, So, you know, it just seemed like a pretty victimless crime because it's like, okay, these stores, they know they're going to lose X amount of candy bars to like employees and kids and whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I figured whatever loss, whatever harm I was doing was kind of baked into business models. So, so, you know, in my mind, I was kind of becoming this criminal mastermind 
And one day we were watching Simon and Simon, which is a show we both loved because it was about two brothers who became mm-hmm. private detectives. Yeah. And you remember how much we loved, like, I would even say that we had our own, like, I would, I made up little business cards for the Eagle Eye Private Eye Private mm-hmm. Detective yep. Company. Yeah. Because I used to love reading uh, Encyclopedia Brown when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So we were watching Simon and Simon and they were on this shoplifting case because this store kept like losing like whatever, like super valuable jewelry or whatever. And they couldn't crack the case because they they had somebody they suspected, but they would always watch him. And, you know, they would watch his arms and like his arms wouldn't really leave his jacket. And then one of the Simon and Simon brothers had this breakthrough of like, but what if it's not a real arm? So they caught the guy shoplifting and he had this jacket where he had rigged it so that one of the arms was basically a fake arm. So it looked like he's walking around with a regular jacket, but his his other but his free arm was actually in the middle and he would kind of unzip the jacket, take his hand out, grab stuff and put it in his jacket and just walk away. And if you were looking at him from behind, it looked like he hadn't done anything. It looked like he was just admiring whatever whatever. That was like such a flash of inspiration. And I remember that very day we kind of experimented and we finally figured out that wires, like the kind of wires you use for hangers, if you, you could kind of use those as your like frame for the arm. And then I think we put trash bags around the frame so that the arm looked full. And because this was Cleveland and it was, you know, winter-ish, I think this was Mm-hmm. The beginning of seventh grade, so it was you know getting into fall, whatever. That jacket, I know that I had used it a few times at Seven Eleven, but then I remember one night during Super Bowl, I'd asked you to go get me, I believe, a Ninja magazine with that thing, and you did it. Yeah, do you and remember another, that? Kind of, yeah. And you know, until now, I don't remember knowing that your inspiration came from Simon and Simon. Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. I was going to say another um, benefit of living in Cleveland, though, when it's cold and where this came into play with the jacket is that we fitted like a glove over it. Like over. The, what do you mean? The, like where the hand should have been, we we put a glove on it. Do you remember that? So it oh. like a regular arm and like a gloved hand kind of. Oh, I didn't remember that, but yeah. that makes perfect sense. And yeah. was it but was it hanging or was it sticking into the pocket of the jacket? I think it was sticking into the pocket. Yeah, that makes sense. I know you told me that one time when you used it on a snowy night, was it the, I don't, maybe it was a Super Bowl night, Probably. but that you walked into a store, you had some snow on you and some lady was like, oh, poor kid, you got snow all over you. And she like, didn't you tell, didn't some lady like dust the snow off your shoulders and you were afraid she was going to figure out uh-huh. a big jacket? Yeah. 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 So those were the big things. But I mean, the Thieves Guild was, I mean, that was kind of our hobby for a while, like especially on mm-hmm. Friday nights and a lot of weekends, like Don would stay over. Like that's kind of how we kicked off our Friday nights by like stealing our snacks and entertainment for the rest of the the, the weekend. Is right. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any close calls? I know we've talked before about the time you got arrested for stealing a can of Coke. The can of Coke. And did, no. was that where, where was that in the Thieves Guild history? Was that in the middle or was that? That's what I was trying I to place. Like, I don't really remember yeah. you. I don't. Yeah. Um, but go no, ahead. to your question, I never really had any close calls. Um, luckily, yeah. you know, I, I don't know why. 
In fact, there's one time where I don't think Donna's with us, but it was me and you home alone, and we yeah. suddenly realized that our cat was out of food. Oh, okay. I don't remember this. Yeah, and we couldn't find any money around the apartment, so you kind of sent me out to like steal some cat food for it. And I went into the, probably a Lawson's, and I went in there, and I pocketed just like a couple cans of like the wet stuff. And yeah. You know, using the fake arm thing. I remember these girls who worked there. And even at the time, I remember thinking they were really young. So, like, I don't know if they were, like, part-time high school employees or whatever. But they were just, like, staring at me, like, all eyes on me and kind of, like, smiling and giggling a lot. And it was kind of the opposite. Like, I felt like I knew they knew what I was doing, but they just thought it was, like, too cute or didn't care. So, like... (laughs) It kind of emboldened me. They're like, oh, look at this cute little dumb kid stealing food for his cat. Yeah. I mean, it really was different times because I remember, you know, we would steal cigarettes and I definitely stole snuff before. Mm -hmm. The problem with snuff or chew, as we called it at the time, was that like it was almost always behind the counter and the only places... Actually, it was only like Walgreens that had it actually in the aisle and they would have it by like the tobacco uh, or not tobacco, the like pipe tobacco and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I remember sometimes I would make some um, forays to the mall because that's where they had a Walgreens at Westgate Mall. Um, and I would wear these pants, these like sweatpants. And back then, all sweatpants had those like closings like those really they were like super baggy but they had those like really tight closing close closings around the ankle do you remember that yes and i would just drop snuff into my jeans into my pants and just basically like walk out with like four or five cans like kind of like rattling around my ankles wow yeah i'm kind of amazed i never got caught doing that yeah and about the condoms why yeah. did we steal those? Like, were we, were we just trying to be, like, badass? Like, we thought it made us edgy or something? Or do you remember what the deal was with that? I don't... I remember that... I think with both cigarettes, condoms, and chew, like, things that kids couldn't buy on their own, I feel like I would try to sell them at school. Because, of course, like, in the seventh grade, everybody's like, oh, I'm having sex with my Canadian girlfriend or whatever, like, with their non-existent girlfriend. <laughs> so it's almost this thing where, you know, like, a buck a condom and, and it, you know, of course, like, it was like, yeah, I'll buy one, yeah. So it was almost this thing of, like, taking advantage of, peop- of people's, like, insecurity and BS. And it's like, oh, well, you said you have a girlfriend. Don't you need to buy some condoms? Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I feel like the condoms were part of our, because I mean, that was the thing. Like we stole what we needed, but we also stole enough to like make a little pocket money. Right. Although I, so, I mean, the Thieves Guild, we could have kept it going for a long while. Um, But then I got a little greedy and I stole a bicycle. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, very much. Where did you steal it from? So there was this kid, his name was Jamie. We were at that bowling alley in Lakewood, mm-hmm. and I don't know what how it got into my head. I'd always wanted like a cool mongoose or something like that. Like I just was always like, yeah, the cool kids like they have all mongooses and 
I don't know if Diamondbacks, but I mean, dirt bikes were like the thing. Oh, yeah. And he had this really cool mongoose. And he walks in while Don and I are playing video games. And he's like, hey, guys, uh, I, I left my bike just by the garbage bin. Do you think it's okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. And then I said to Don, I was like, hey, dude, actually, I got to get going. I'll meet you back at home in like an hour, okay? And at the time, he said he knew exactly what I was going to do. And he was like, uh, you sure? You sure? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walk outside and I found his mongoose beside the trash bin and I hopped on it and I rode it home. And I just felt like so super happy, like like I'd gotten away with the crime of the century. <laughs> the was, problem is, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, well, the, was it the one, was it just the one that you stole? No, so I stole that thing, but then I soon I quickly realized, well, you can't really I wanted a mongoose. I had a mongoose, but I couldn't ride the mongoose because when you're living in like a small suburb and everybody knows each other, they would have, you know, all the kids see each other out on their dirt bikes, so it would have been like totally you know, visible yeah yeah it would have been totally conspicuous i was like oh i guess i have to sell the mongoose so i so basically like what made the thieves guild fall apart is i got a little greedy and i said to this kid like hey man do you want to buy jamie's mongoose i stole it now i really don't know what i was thinking because that kid would have had the exact same problem i did oh no i think i remember set asking a friend like Hey, do you know anybody at another school who wants to buy Jamie's mongoose? I stole it. And this guy was like, oh, yeah, maybe I know somebody, whatever. And I'd written a note to this one kid, Wes, who was like super cool. And I got called to the principal's office. And somehow Jamie had got his hands on the note where I was like, I have Jamie's mongoose. Like, I want to sell it to a kid from another school. And I was outside the principal's office and they just called Jamie in because he was going to show the note. And Wes was talking to Jamie and he was like, wait, what? Josh told your mongoose, what? A note? He's like, let me see the note. And Jamie showed him the note and then Wes put the note in his pocket. He's like, nope, I don't see no note. And I just thought that was so gangster to like basically like, it was a super close call to like bail me out of trouble. Um, so, so then I think I stole another bike from like, and the neighbors were out of town or something and I stole their bike, but then you stole the bike too. Is that right? Yes. Wait, tell me how that went down. Cause honestly, I don't remember. So what I remember, it was like in one of those sideways, like the entryways to one of those duplexes in Lakewood. Yeah. I just remember scouting it. And I think you probably told me like, "Hey dude, this is like a good a good opportunity." Like maybe you'd seen it earlier in the day and I just hopped on it and rode away. And kind of like you said earlier, I just felt like the biggest rush in the world. Like it was like so cool and like yeah. Yeah. Um so, so then we go ahead. Sorry, can you back up a sec? So, sure. Did you say that you confessed in the note that you stole Jamie's bike? Well, I didn't. I didn't confess. I just said, "Hey, I have Jamie's mongoose," and I gave it to like a trusted friend. Like, 
you know, I have Jamie's mongoose. Somehow he, I said it, you know, verbally, but then he's like, oh, tell me how much you're selling it for. Okay. Or something. Somehow like was going to like, I'll, I'll ask my friend. And I was like, oh, I'll give it to him for 80 bucks or whatever. So that, it wasn't, I didn't write down, I stole Jamie's. I said, you know, mon- mongoose, silver, blue, whatever, which is what Jamie's was, $80. And then we got somehow the cops found out that we had stolen the bike and I'm not sure how that happened. Are you? I'm not, no. And I think it was actually, even though he didn't have the proof proof, Jamie's, I think he told his parents or something like that. And one day at school, I was called to the principal's office and, uh, two people were there and they were police they were like police detectives and I saw the lady had like a gun around her ankle and I was so crazy scared and they're like you know and they they basically got it out of me that I'd we'd stolen a couple bikes and I think I said that I'd gotten you to steal one but it was all my fault because I didn't want to get you in trouble um and they're like, well, what did you want to do with these bikes? I was like, I don't know. I just wanted a nicer bike. I was just maybe going to like use them for parts or something like that. And I was so upset. And I was like, how much time am I going to do in juvie? And they're like, well, that's up for the judge to decide. And then I was like, can I have a minute? And, you know, because I was like kind of breaking down. I was super duper scared. And the principal walked out of his office for a second. and But they stayed there. Because, and it's smart that they did, because I actually had half a mind to like, you know, we were only on like the first or second floor and I had half a mind to like hang drop out the window, which, you know, is kind of funny because like, where am I going to run to? Like I'm 12 or 13 years old. Right. Where am I going to make my great escape to? It's not like I'm going to like hop in my car and drive (laughs) to another state or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that kind of that put the fear of God into me and they, you know, so they're like, okay, that's, you know, so I didn't get in trouble with the school, but they're like, okay, well, we're going to talk to the, you know, whatever, like we're going to refer your case to juvenile court. And I was super scared, but then like, oddly, I didn't hear anything about it. Like it just seemed to all go away. And I guess Jamie said something like, yeah, my parents wanted to, or my, my, my older sister who's 16 wanted to like, try to throw you in jail but my parents were like no whatever like he's just a kid so one day so I didn't hear anything about it for a long time but this definitely like made me really scared to like steal anything again and one day I saw a letter from the court I'm just like on mom's table or in her room or something and I read it and it said okay you know we will not be pursuing charges none of the victims wants to pursue this or none of the victim's parents want to pursue this, but we advise you to be more cooperative next time because this could be, this is a very serious matter, blah, blah, blah. And basically it told me that like mom could have like come down harder on me and ratted, ratted me out or whatever. But I mean, at the time, like looking back, I'm like, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do by her, but I, I don't want to criticize because I mean, it kept me out of trouble and, you know, and, and, stuff that happens when you're a juvenile like yeah it 
can erase your, you know, it's not going to necessarily follow you through life. But dude, like if I would have been institutionalized, you know, even in like a totally, you know, country club, like juvenile facility, Mm -hmm. that would have probably changed me not for the better. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I, I don't think they would have throw, actually like locked me up, locked a little kid up for stealing a couple bicycles. But I would hope. You don't know, not. man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that day, and it's funny. For the longest time, I thought it was the FBI who had talked to you because that's what mom told me. Like, okay. Either she got her like law enforcement agency wrong or what, but she's like. Yeah, the FBI was down at the school talking to Josh. They know that he stole bikes. And, like, I was totally freaking out. Yeah. Pretty scary. Um, were, you afraid, were you afraid you were going to get in trouble? No. No, because, oh, okay. like, you know, I knew I was a little bit younger, and I didn't feel they'd go as hard on me. Right. So I wasn't super worried. I was just more worried for you. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that definitely, like was pretty scary and i feel like did did that basically did that effectively end the thieves guild yeah i think that sort of put the fear of god in both of us right yeah i think it did yeah so what was don's reaction to that do you remember well you know it was kind of a weird time because i didn't know for sure who told the cops because i don't think the cops told me for sure And it was weird because even though Jamie knew that I'd ripped off his bike, he didn't really hold it that, like he was mad at first, but then he didn't hold it against me. Like, you know how kids like do all kinds of weird, crazy things, you know, but then somehow I was still kind of friends with, with Jamie. Mm -hmm. And like, my big question was like, who, because I, I, because actually I know that they had called Don into the office beforehand and like, I you know, I wondered if he's the one who kind of spilled the beans, but like at the time, but looking back on it, like, you know, they got me a little bit rattled and I totally spilled the beans. So, you know, so in my mind, I even asked him, I said, did you tell the police anything? And he's like, no. And I said, well, what did they ask you? He's like, oh, did I see any other bikes around your house? Did I know if you stole any bicycles, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just said, like, no, like, I saw his normal bike. I didn't see anything else. Like, I don't know anything. And I've, you know, and it's funny because, like, I asked him maybe, you know, 10 years later, like, when I was 23 years old, I was like, dude, it's totally fine. But what what did you tell the cops? And he's like, he's like, I swear, man, like, all I said was like, I don't know. No, I don't know if he steals stuff. Like, I don't think so. I think I would know. So, you know, but I was, I was kind of like worried and I'm like, I kind of like, wouldn't say I didn't talk to him, but I was just very paranoid of like, how did they, you know, how did the, like, what happened? How did the cops, you know, because, right. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like with bikes, I guess it kind of makes sense, but you know, like in my mind, I was just shoplifting and you know, whatever, like basically it's like it escalated a lot more quickly than I was expecting it to being like basically interrogated by two Lakewood police detectives. Like I didn't think they would really spend that kind of time or resources on a kid, even just like stealing bikes. Yeah. You were kind of feeling like Tony Soprano, right? Like who do you trust? Honestly, I was, I was feeling pretty freaked out. I bet. 
And it's funny because like in a way everything I you know I don't I know I hate that idea of everything happens for a reason honestly but I do know that my life would have been different if that didn't happen because I know that that summer you know it was kind of like all blown over by the time I you know left you know left to when we went to stay with grandma that summer because we would usually stay with grandma during the summer I was just thinking to myself like man like you know what should I do should I go back there like am I gonna be known as the bike thief now and then I just thought about like you know even though we were moving less often I thought about how much we moved like basically moving and I was just like just craving some like stability and some normalcy and so I wrote that's you know I'm that that just like crazy kind of existence is was part of the reason where I was like you know I'm gonna write dad and see if I can live with him so like we can actually live in a house where I know we're not gonna move in like three four six months a year whatever and like going back to the stability thing it probably gave both of us a sense of like this is at least something we can control yeah exactly yeah yeah meaning living with dad or or no, no I, well that but I also mean just, just stealing in general like okay we can't control all these other things in our life but this like we do have somewhat control over at least it felt yeah like, you know no for sure and it kind of felt like you know we were definitely the poor kids and I think I felt in my mind at least I was kind of like a self-appointed Robin Hood for myself mm-hmm. you know what I mean like right okay, we might not have much stuff, but I can at least get like the creature comforts that, do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I kind of felt like, yeah, I'm going to go, I want to go get what I want. I'm not going to just like sit here and cry about it. <laughs> I, I know, but I know it wasn't like the best way to go about it, but. So apart from D and D Dungeons and Dragons, do you think there's any other reasons that we got into it? Like looking back now, besides like what we kind of just talked about, I mean, I think D and D. I mean, I think we probably would have gotten into it, but just not as seriously. Kind of no matter what, or you know, we might have like stolen once or twice, no matter what. Because I think all kids go through a little bit of a shoplifting thing. Mm-hmm. But in our case, you know, I just think that the circumstances of okay, we're kind of on our own every evening. You know, we were playing D&D, you know, I've always, you know, we were into ninjutsu and ninja magazine and stuff. So like, and, and the stainless steel rat. So like sneakiness and inventiveness and just going out and getting what you want or just like, but in a quiet way, were just qualities that, which are in a lot of ways actually good qualities, but they were just, you know, like all that free time you know, no real money to speak of. And then like being into what we were into, it just kind of all makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, it, and like I said, my the first time I got back into shoplifting, it was kind of an accident. And then I was like, yeah, this feels good. I mean, it just, that's another thing. It just, like you said, you know, when you rode off on your bike, I mean, it just feels good. Good. And it's funny. I never thought about the powerlessness or empower. Like, it's funny. Like, nobody thinks of shoplifting as an empowering experience, but it kind of was in a weird way. (laughs) No, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, why do you think, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, do you think, you know, also looking back at our family history and genetics, do you think there it's possible that there's an actual criminal gene in our family? <laughs> well, because our grandfather on our dad's side was a yeah, bootleg our, delivery driver. Yeah, because he worked for the, the Cleveland Plain Dealers distribution system. Like once, you know, he would drop off papers, but dad told me that he would also like drop off cases of booze. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, dad for sure thought there was some, we had some kind of outlaw gene in us. Yeah. Um, some kind of rule breaker gene. And I don't know. Do you think so? If such a thing exists? Yeah. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't think there's <laughs> much debate. Um, yeah. And you know, it's funny too. I was thinking not so much along those lines, but one thing that we did that wasn't exactly shoplifting, but I think it was during this time that I actually felt bad about at the time was, do you remember when we would, and you know, obviously this would only happen on one night of the year, but when we would like go trick or treating and like put a little knife or something and cut the other kids candy bags in front of us and kind of steal their candy as it fell out. Did we do that? Yeah. You don't, I remember, don't remember that? remember that. Yeah. No. Yeah. And we would really cut open other kids' candy things? Yeah, and we may have just done that one Halloween, but I definitely remember us doing that. And I think you even told me that that's why we should use pillowcases for our candy, because it would be <laughs> harder for other people to cut. <laughs> so the kid would just be walking in front of us, and a little trail of candy would be falling out of their bag. And I felt bad, like, you know, stealing other kids' candy, but it was still fun. Yeah, I I have zero memory of that. I don't doubt it. I feel like I remember we would like get multiple bags of candy. We would basically just like trick or treat like all night long. And mm -hmm. like after we got one bag, we would go leave it at home and we would get like some more pillowcases or whatever. So that too, yeah, yeah. I know we definitely would try to clean up and do. You know, I don't remember cutting cutting kids candy like yeah a kids candy bag, but that's. That's pretty funny. I feel kind of bad for the kid. I mean, yeah. I, that one I kind of feel bad about. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. That maybe wasn't as much of a victimless crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, so if you, like, if you found out that your kid was doing something similar, especially, like, again, it wasn't just shoplifting. It was, like, kind of making this, like, club and this activity and this like really putting a, a lot of energy into shoplifting smartly mm -hmm. like if you're old if you're if your oldest your daughter like if you found out she was involved in something like that like what would you do <laughs> god i mean i'd be lying if i said part of me like wasn't secretly admiring her drive yeah but, you know, I couldn't act like that outwardly. I would discipline her and punish her. Um, right. What else could I do? Yeah. You know? But again, it, it would probably go to what we were just talking about, too, about like, well, yeah, there's definitely some kind of criminal gene in our family. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, and if 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 it was one of my kids when they got older, I think what I would think is like, right impulses wrong activity yeah you know like looking yeah. back on it we could have started a little business 
that was legit and made just as much, if not more money, and then been like, you know, the icons of our community. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. That's, yeah. Right. That's, in, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that's all. That's what I mean. Like, admiring the drive, like the ambition to, like, do something that benefits yeah. you, but just, like you said, in a healthier way would be better. Yeah. I mean, that's something I definitely think about, especially with my son, of just like, like, yeah, like, I you know, I love the rush. I'm like a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Mm -hmm. And that's been really good when it comes to like boxing or motorcycle riding or rock climbing or, you know, competing in jujitsu. So that's something I'm very cognizant, cognizant of is like the dude just needs a lot of stimulation. Mm -hmm. And part of me thinks, I mean, I, when I played football, I played on like a little pop Warner league for a, you know, a season and I was really good at it. And like, I think just, you know, sports or something where kids can put all that energy and gumption and ambition or whatever, or even mm-hmm. like meanness, because, you know, I, I fought a lot in school, not a lot, lot, but a pretty decent amount. But football was awesome because I could just like, you know, because t- I've always enjoyed or not enjoyed but I've always kind of scrapped with people bigger than me and I've always really kind of hated bullies and been willing to throw down with like mm-hmm. whatever the biggest kid the usual bully and in football it was great because like no fear man like and I was a really good tackler I would just like boom I would just like slam into somebody so hard and you know and it got me like praise and it's like mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's kind of true that in sports in a lot of ways are just like ritualized and sanitized ways to get out you of aggression know, or get out of aggression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. So I meant to ask you earlier too, did mom ever punish you about the bike thing or what? I know like nothing formally ever came of that, but what happened to you personally? Because I don't remember anything happening. No, nothing really, which was also kind of weird because I kept waiting. I mean, in a way it was like, yeah, I'm happy nothing happened in a way, but in a way it was almost worse because I kept expecting this like big bad thing mm. to happen to me, like having mm-hmm. to go to court or get in trouble or just some kind of punishment from mom or the authorities or my school. But like just nothing really. I mean, I just remember she was really upset. And then Donna, you you know, Donna. Of course. The the, that lady from the joy New, from New, New Jersey. Jersey, yeah, the joy from New Jersey. She there was there's this movie that came out around then, or maybe a little bit before then. It was like Sean Penn was in it, and it was like Reform School Boys or something like that. It was like Sean Penn is trapped in a reform school, and she's like, Josh, I don't want you to wind up like those guys in that movie. Like going <laughs> going to Juvie could make you make you turn really bad josh you you're too smart for that you know something something like that so that's you know i think mom was just upset and a little bit freaked out but Mm -hmm. like i don't even remember really talking to me about it but like i said (laughs) it's funny too what donna said to you reminds me of something somebody in one of those movies the exact thing they would say in a movie like that when they're trying to get the kid back on track exactly yeah exactly so yeah, man. Is there anything else about the Thieves Guild? May its memory, may its memory yeah. stand as a shining beacon to <laughs> um, ingenuity and Robin Hoodism throughout the ages. Yeah, for sure. Do you have sure. any questions for me? Well, this may seem kind of silly or whatever, but 
if you had it to do all over again, would you? Knowing what you know now? Or do you think mm. you would still have gone through with it for the benefits? That's a good question. I think in general, at that time of my life and because of the influences in my life, I think I was always looking for kind of the easy way or the quick answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing what I know now is that nothing worth doing well is easy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like stealing stuff, okay, I got candy bars for, you know, a, a day, a week, whatever, but I'm going to have to get them again. It's, you're not building something. I mean, if I had to do it all over again, no, I would actually, no matter what it was, even if it was just like a skill, like, you know, being in gymnastics or whatever, like you're not really building something that's going to benefit you in the long term. You know, it's like, it's like a rush you have it, you're done, but you can't really make a career out of being, like, unless you're going to go really big and then be willing to actually do time to be some kind of like gentleman diamond thief or whatever. Right. Y you know, so if I had to do it all over again, no, probably not just because there's, uh, you know, there's other things. I mean, I could have invented snowboarding or something because there wasn't a snow you know what I mean like mm -hmm. there wasn't snowboarding mm -hmm. back then I could have like invented this awesome new like adrenaline sport and been like the Tony Hawk of some sport that hasn't been invented yet so you know what I mean you know what I mean like yeah. Tony, like yeah like Tony Hawk like I'm sure he did dumb stuff when he was a kid but you know when he was that age he was skateboarding and he probably had a lot of fun and a lot of thrills and a lot of spills and you know, probably a lot of scares and but also like a lot of accomplishment that he was able to kind of like build on and, you know, and coast on sometimes throughout mm -hmm. his life. Mm -hmm. Whereas, so no, I, I think, I don't think I would do it again just because my kind of basic worldview has changed. How about you? I feel like I should say I want to do it again, but I'm not sure <laughs> just because it was so fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like intellectually, I recognize everything you're saying, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of looked at it as like a special magical time to, of my life. And I mean, and it was, I mean, there is something, you know, like when my kids are old enough to understand, I'm going to tell them that there's just a certain intensity and, you know, vibrancy mm -hmm. to your youth that you think life is going to be like that forever, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Should we wrap this doggy up? Yeah, let's do it. All right, listeners. And for our young listeners, do not try this at home. No matter how fun we made it sound, do not do this. <laughs> no matter how, how fun and thrilling and awesome and, yeah. we made it sound. No matter how big uh, of a rush we said we got, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, for reals, so, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, for reals, don't do it. <laughs> and with that, we'll wrap up another episode. We'll put another episode in the hollow book of the Two Brothers, One Dad Dead podcast. Thank you. Thank you.